0: we are back with another look at pro-revenge. Please enjoy. My 8 pounds and 50 pence revenge on my cheating thieving ex. Story by revolutionary underscore ant 209. When I was at uni, I started dating this guy. At first, he was wonderful. Dedicated to his studies, was fun to be around, attentive, and always surprised me with things, working hard at his job, etc. Then, bit by bit, things unraveled. He started skipping classes then he barely bothered to go at all. Worse still, he never helped around the house. Never washed up, cleaned up, did laundry, nothing. He was even fired from his job for too many no-shows. All he wanted to do was sit at home and play Xbox or browse the message boards and forums, this was in the days before social media when dinosaurs roamed the earth. This left me having to pick up extra shifts, sometimes double and triple shifts, all while going to class and studying. I later learned that this was a pattern for him. He'd be really dedicated to whatever he set his heart on, but then get bored, and fall back into old bad habits. Then he'd find a new passion, and rinse and repeat. I knew I should have ended the relationship much sooner, but I held out hope that he would snap out of it, that maybe it was just exam stress getting to him. I desperately wanted things to go back to how they were. But it was not meant to be. I caught him cheating and threw him out. I was so stressed with everything that it wasn't until the next day that our joint savings account crossed my mind. There was a little over £5,000 in there, and bar a few hundred from him, the rest was money I had saved. I checked the account, and it was all gone. My ex had cleaned out the account and moved into a new flat with his side chick. I called the bank. There was nothing they could do. He was authorized on the account. I contacted the police, they told me there was nothing they could do since it was a joint account, so nothing criminal had happened. They suggested taking it to civil court but said I'd probably spend more money than I got back in legal fees so it likely wasn't worth it. My ex had stolen £5,000 and there was nothing I could do about it. I felt like such an idiot. I got even angrier when I saw his posts on various forums boasting about his new game consoles, new games, new TVs, and gadgets. All bought with my money. I'm not usually a vengeful person. Petty on occasion, sure, but I've never wanted to exact revenge as much as I did right then. And I knew just how to do it. While I was a student, I tempt every summer to help pay for my studies. One such job had been for a debt collection agency. The work was as shitty as you can imagine, but it paid really well, and it was only for a few months. My ex had been dodging debt for many years, and he was very proud of that fact. He was also proud of the fact that his debt was close to being statute barred and he hadn't paid a penny. For those of you who don't know, in the UK, Creditors have about six years to collect a debt, and then it becomes statute-barred, that means the money is still owed but creditors have no legal way to enforce payment, such as using bailiffs. My ex was a few months away from reaching statute-barred status. However, what a lot of people don't know is that making a payment on that debt resets the clock. If you pay any amount, then that six years starts from scratch. Previously, I had used my insider knowledge to help him dodge the debt. Now, I would use it to hit him where it hurt. By the end of our relationship, I was handling everything, including his debts. I had the paperwork, so I knew whom he owed and how much. I called his creditors up. I was honest and said I was a friend calling to make a payment on his behalf. I didn't pretend to be him because that would be a big legal no-no. They weren't allowed to disclose any details, but they were able to take payment. I paid the minimum I could on each debt, about one pound on most, but one had a minimum payment of one pound and fifty pence. It was the best eight pounds and fifty pence I have ever spent. I also made sure to give them his new address and contact details, as well as his parents' address. Having worked in the biz, I knew they wouldn't change the address since I wasn't the account holder, but they would note it. They had various systems where they could search for his name against that address and see if anything came up. If they got a hit, they'd change the address. The trap was set. All I had to do was wait. A few months rolled by. Then it happened. His posts on the forums went from boasting about his new gaming PC to panicking about a court date he called me and begged for advice. I told him to F off. Seeing I wouldn't help, he asked for advice in the forums. One of his online friends told him not to turn up to court, that way they wouldn't be able to prosecute without him there. It was terrible advice that was 100% untrue. In fact, not showing up is one of the worst things you can do, especially in civil court. This was getting better and better. The court date came and went. My ex, naturally, didn't go. A few weeks later, my ex posted photos of his empty flat. Bailiffs had cleaned him out and taken every last one of his shiny new gadgets and toys. On top of that, he ended up with several CCJs, county court judgments. These are a big deal and can seriously damage your credit history, making it hard to get bank accounts outside of basic ones, near impossible to get credit, including getting a mortgage, and it can also make it hard to rent a place since many landlords don't like renting to people with CCJs as they're considered high risk. He also won't be able to find jobs in the financial sector. Now that he was broke and didn't have nice things, his side chick left him. I never got my 5,000 pounds back, but it felt good to see everything he bought with his ill gotten gains taken away. Hope that 5,000 pounds was worth it. For anyone wondering how a student accrued six years of debt, he started at the university I attended when he was 25. He had initially gone to a different university at 18 but dropped out at 19 and went into the world of work. Then he convinced his parents to fund a business degree. He wanted to become an entrepreneur. And for anyone worried about the age gap, I deferred my uni start date by a few years so I could travel. I was 22 when we started dating. He was 26. How I screwed over a racist, horrible, bigoted business owner and likely resulted in him going out of business faster. Story by redditmindam87. This occurred in a southern state, I won't mention the state. Because, well, you'll see smiles. I was an account manager for a digital marketing company. We sold lead generation services to business owners to generate leads. One of our key selling features was if you turned on call tracking numbers plus recorded phone calls, we guarantee you X amount of leads based upon Y spend, and if we failed to meet that, you'd be entitled to partial, or if we really failed potentially full refund. Some things to know about advertising. CTN, call tracking number. It's a unique number that's assigned to a certain point of advertising that consumers call. This number is only on that piece of advertising. It routes to the business line, and unless the consumer is very observant, they have no idea they are using a CTN. Call recording. If you turn on CTNs, we can record the calls and store the audio on our servers. The business has to consent to this. Also, when you call, you'll hear a message this call is recorded for quality assurance type message. Both those are required to be eligible for our service guarantee. Story Time Part 1 The Lay of the Land The business in question was a small dad and son contracting company with a couple of employees. They primarily focused on smaller jobs such as windows, drainage, finishing, etc. Unfortunately, this business owner was a royal PETA. He went back years, and his account was filled with nothing but complaints. Also, there was a strong suspicion that he was racist because his last account manager was black. The business owner, whom we will name Scott, refused to ever meet in person with the previous manager, also I was white, he had no issues finding the time to sit down with me and tell me how shit our service is. Well, it's coming up to do contract renewal, and he says we aren't producing his leads, and he wants to put in a claim for failing to meet our service guarantee. I spoke to my manager about this, and he said he wants me to listen to his calls, write a detailed report, and present my findings to the manager. The manager is worried this may end up in court due to the dollar amounts involved. Nearly a whole working week of hours, I probably spent damn near 40 hours on this, and I wrote a detailed 24-page report outlining the results of our advertising. To say I shred this business owner's business practices is an understatement. The report was a straight-up attack on his poor customer service skills, disorganization, inability to execute, and complete and total failure of anything resembling any sense of standard business practices that just make logical sense. I will share with you a few examples of the types of calls I listened to, small calls where multiple phone calls are truly epic in their total incompetence. Customer 1. I was a small-time landlord who had three different properties that had received a quote from Scott for work. The landlord had accepted Scott's quote and agreed to do business. In one voicemail message offered to pay a deposit to start work. Throughout four voicemail messages, this poor landlord went from hey, I wanna pay you to are you okay? To why the fuck aren't you returning my calls? Yes, I said voicemails. Scott had gone out to this man's properties, quoted his pricing, and then straight up refused to do anything more. Why? I legit got no idea. I called the customer in question and said I was the quality assurance agency and was doing a survey on Scott's performance. The guy ended up paying Scott's competitor about 15% more to do the work and was utterly beside himself on why Scott ignored him. I was also confused. FYI, all my calls were recorded and put into the company records. Customer 2. This one in particular really pissed me off. Again, the public housing office called Scott to get a quote on work that involved 25 different homes. Scott was kind enough to answer the phone this time, which, ironically, was one of the few fucking times he ever answered the phone. Initially, Scott sounded happy to get such a big profitable job. Then Scott learned two things. It was Section 8 housing. It was a neighborhood that was black-slash-Hispanic. Immediately upon learning this, Scott informed the housing office that, unfortunately, he was super booked, not true, and that this area is actually out of his service area, not true. The housing office was confused and was like, so you're not interested in biting? And Scott said no, I'm not and hung up. He didn't even say goodbye. So I did a quality assurance call to the housing office, and the lady was completely confused why Scott wasn't even remotely interested in the job. Luckily for Scott the lady didn't connect that Scott was a racist cunt cause discrimination against a protected class as a crime. Customer 3. It was an overseas phone number from Japan. A service member stayed up late to call Scott during his business hours. This person told Scott he was deployed overseas. Still, over the weekend, someone broke into his home back in the States, where Scott operated. He was trying to arrange for a new door, he mentioned this was an emergency as his wife was being forced to stay in a hotel. Scott never returned his calls nor made any effort to contact him on the email he provided, no called the wife, who was local. It was a super, easy job that Scott could have done in about an hour or so and made a solid profit. I think that's enough examples. Part 2 Review and Plan. The actual report at the end said out of the X phone calls, Scott failed to properly service the leads in about 70% of the cases and that I could keep on going on. Still, I felt X number I felt a clear trend had been established. It wasn't that our service wasn't producing leads for Scott, it was that Scott was a racist, bigoted cunt, whom everyone fucking hated. Obviously, I said that in more professional language. When I presented the report to my manager, he looked at it and went, damn, 24 pages. I asked if it was fine, and he smiled and said I got a pretty good idea of what this going to say. He said he'd review it and get back to me. So a day later he came to me and said he'd gone over the report, the VP had gone over the report, and he asked what I thought the recommended course of action should be. My recommendation? Remove all discounts, charge Scott the total price for our services, and clearly explain our job is to provide him with leads, it's his job to sell those leads. If he can't convert our leads into business, that's not our problem. Scott was getting a 70% discount. Our price was built with discounts in mind. My manager was like, he'll probably cancel, and I asked my manager, and is that a problem? If Scott was going remain my client, he was going paid dearly for that privilege. If he wasn't willing to pay, I was happy to let him walk. My manager smiled and said, nope. Part 3, the meeting. My manager and I called Scott and arranged a meeting. I created a PowerPoint summarizing my findings. About a one-third of the way, Scott gives in and tells me to get to the point. I knew this was going to be a heated meeting so I wanted my manager present both his support and a witness. So I explained that it's our job to bring him leads, it's his job to sell them his failure to do that is not our problem. He gets irritable and pissy, and my manager backs me up. He goes, fine I'll renew my contract at the same rate, to which I go yay, you see, you didn't let me get to that part, we have new pricing for you. Scott goes lower? I go oh no, not lower my manager smirked, Scott asked me for the new rate. I hit him at the full rate, which was 3x what he was paying. Scott is furious with me, says I'm overcharging him, says I'm ripping him off, says I'm a horrible salesperson, he tells my manager I should be fired for treating him like this. My manager looks at me and I had been waiting for the moment. Truth be told I gave zero fucks what Scott thought of me, if anything my goal was to get him to cancel. Scott you are a challenging client, therefore the pricing of our service needs to reflect the challenge of providing you service, so we will be charging you our full rate. If you like I'd be happy to go over why this ROI still makes sense based upon our past performance this was wording I had gone over with my management before using it, my manager felt it was fine. It felt so amazing to say those words. It was the nicest way I could say you're a cunt, if I'm going work with you, it gotta be worth my while. Scott says we are a bunch of greedy fucking pricks. He says, I'm going cancel to which I said, that is an outcome we have decided is acceptable if that's what you choose to do Scott huffs and goes and what about my refund? Dismayed, I go, Scott. We've clearly demonstrated we did our part. The reason why you aren't bringing in sales is because of your company's inability to close on the leads we generate. To which Scott goes, So you're saying I don't know what I'm doing? To which I say, Scott, if you agree to sign at the new rate, I'd be happy to sit down with you and help you free of charge on how to improve your sales techniques and close more your leads. This is me telling him he doesn't know how to run his business and was very much meant as an insult. Scott goes, Nah, fuck you, I'm calling my lawyer. I go, So I take you're not going renew? He goes fuck no my manager goes that's fine, would you like us to email you, our report on your leads? Scott goes sure I'll show my lawyer, FYI we never heard from Scott's lawyer, we wish Scott a good day and he leaves. Later we wrote him an email, attached the report, and also told him if his lawyer would like the recording in question we can send that file over as well. Our bases were covered, and we knew it, I suspect he also came to the same realization but he had too much pride to admit that. Part 4, Make Sure That Dagger Is Nice And Deep A few weeks go by, my manager says we gotta shut down his account so I need to call him and ask him what he wants to do with his CTN numbers which we control. In our contract, we say at the end of the agreement the customer has the right to have the numbers ported over, for a fee. It would have been normal to waive the fee as a gesture of goodwill, but Scott desired zero goodwill and he received what he desired. I tell my manager there's no way I'm porting the numbers for free, and just like his quote, I'm charging him the full rate of $15 a number. The total came out to just a bit over $100. So I call Scott, I get his voicemail, but he doesn't answer. I write him a registered letter and in that letter, I outlined he has 30 days to respond, we have his CTNs and if he's willing to pay a $15 per number port fee, we will transfer those numbers over to his phone provider. One morning I woke up to about a dozen hateful text messages in which Scott told me to go fucking burn in hell. I took that to mean that Scott was not interested in porting over his numbers, and I reviewed those texts with my manager we saved those messages and uploaded them to his account. So, is that all? Of course not. Part 5 but wait there's more. So here I was with 7 CTN numbers that had been in service for literally years. Those 7 numbers were saved in Scott's customers' phones and too many of Scott's customers those numbers were Scott's numbers. Obviously, they wouldn't be advertised to anyone, but that doesn't mean they won't produce phone calls. Now if I just let the numbers die, the customers will call and simply be told this number is no longer in service. Now I'm not entirely sure if what I did was legal, but it's been quite a few years so I feel comfortable about introducing you to Bobby. Bobby was another southern boy, but as much of an asshole as Scott was, Bobby was a sweetheart. His mama would bake me pies for our meetings, he was a complete joy to work with. Bobby also owned a similar business to Scotty, but Bobby's business was more advanced, did more types of jobs, and also serviced the same area. So I submitted a service request to port all of Scott's 7 CTNs to Bobby's account, and I waived the fee. So all of a sudden hundreds of Scott's customers would think they were calling Scott, but they'd get Bobby. Bobby had all his call routed to his secretary Ashley who was an angel. Ashley was also a wickedly talented saleswoman and I know for a fact she'd be able to take Scott's clients and convert them for Bobby. So that's what I did, I had those 7 CTNs ported over to Bobby. This did a few things that benefited nearly everyone involved. Bobby got more business. I produced more leads for Bobby, Which means Bobby was comfortable with spending more money with me, which meant I made more money. Scott's old customers got better service. Part 6 Capitalize on my revenge. At the next performance meeting with Bobby, Bobby was very pleased with the sudden uptick in new customers. He even asked me, What did you do to my account? I smiled and said, I reviewed your account and made a few tweaks, have you seen any improvement? He absolutely did. He asked me, Did this cost me anything extra? I go, Nope he ended up increasing our spend with us by about 40% on additional services. I googled Scott's business about a year later, he wasn't in business anymore, wonder why? No, my company never caught on to me porting over the numbers, I strongly suspect our legal department would not have been pleased. TLDR proved to my client I was providing value, declined his compensation, jacked his prices up, and sent his customers to his competitor, and he went out of business. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of Pro Revenge, and please, don't be a Scot. And, have a wonderful day.